everyone, my name is Rachel Moses and I'm the Multimedia Editor for Thorax BMG. Today I am joined by Dr. Chris Green, who is a consultant in infectious diseases and general internal medicine at the University Hospitals of Birmingham NHS Foundation Trust. He is also a senior clinical lecturer in infectious diseases at the Institute of Microbiology and Infection at the University of Birmingham. And he is also clinical research specialty lead for infection and immunology at the NIHR West Midlands. So welcome, Chris. Morning, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So we're going to be discussing your recently published paper titled SARS-CoV-2 Environmental Contamination from Hospitalised COVID-19 Patients Receiving Aerosol Generating Procedures. And this is such an important area. Your main research question was to determine if hospitalised COVID-19 patients receiving treatment with CPAP and high-flow nasal oxygen therapy present with a significant added risk of viral contamination to the surrounding environment used by healthcare workers. Such an important question. How did you go about finding the answer to this question? Well, I'd agree. It's a very important question because I am a frontline clinician still as well. And um, we know from previous outbreaks of viral infections that it's not always good news for healthcare workers who look after these patients, especially the SARS outbreak um, in 2003. And so the, the list of what we call aerosol generating procedures is generated based on our concerns that some of the medical interventions like CPAP and high flow increase the risk to our healthcare workers looking after these patients when they need it the most. And so we decided that we needed some real world observational evidence as to how much virus can be isolated from spaces like the air that we share, the surfaces that we share, um, looking after COVID patients and of course part of that understanding is to look at how much virus is in these patients at this stage of their illness, which is usually at least a couple of weeks into their infection, if not maybe a little bit longer. And so it was a very simple study, although very important, and, and it involved taking swabs from NHS patients who consented to take part during their illness, who were actually quite sick. So it was, a, it was embedded in, in other studies like ISRIC and Recovery RS. So they all needed at least 40% of oxygen to maintain their saturations. And we took a nasopharyngeal swab and we quantified the virus by PCR and, and tried to culture any of those that were PCR positive. But we also took air samples and surface samples. We took three of each. Um, so we had 30 people, 10 uh, who just received standard oxygen and 10 on CPAP and 10 on high flow. But every one of them had an air sample taken on oxygen. And then those who were on CPAP or high flow then had a, an air sample collected while using that device. And then the third air sample involved whatever they were using, but this time asking them to cough uh, voluntarily every couple of minutes. And so we ended up with about 90 air samples from 30 participants. And at the same time, we took um, a sample from the floor, from their, their bed table, which is you know, very close to their mouth and where they, a lot of stuff is put and things. And then because we were interested in, in possible aerosols, we took a third surface sample high up where, where really you don't ex expect aerosols to deposit. And of course, they were subjected to PCR and we tried to culture anything that was positive from those. 
And that, that's essentially what the methodology was. Okay, so sounds very detailed to me. What did you find? What was the bottom line here? Well, the bottom line is it's actually surprisingly difficult to find viral RNA in the in the immediate healthcare environment. Uh, first of all, so even if you're on standard oxygen and not using these devices, the rates of positivity were very very low. We're talking in the air samples somewhere between four and seven percent, depending on whether you required the, the sort of gene probes to be positive in two probes or just one. So. But my point is, it was very, very low. But really, the, the critical second finding was that the use of CPAP or high flow didn't alter that proportion of positive air samples, and neither did coughing. And so um, it's important to think about what the risks are for these patients to healthcare workers when we are using these devices. But actually, the risk was always quite low. And if you look to the nasopharyngeal swabs, of course, um, not everybody was still positive. They were all positive when they were admitted to hospital. But many of them were actually negative at the time. Bear in mind, they've been unwell now for some time. And trying to culture virus that was positive with, by PCR uh, was universally negative, except for one nasopharyngeal sample from one uh, high-flow participant. And that's the only... It may not be the most sensitive test, but it's the only way of showing a truly biologically viable RNA when we have a positive PCR test. And as for the, the surface samples, um, again, the, the rates of positivity were higher, somewhere between 10 or 15%, depending on which surface we're talking about. But again, it was, as you'd expect, the floor was quite contaminated. That's probably because it gets transferred on footwear and takes more time to settle. The table was not surprised, not too contaminated, probably because of the regular cleaning. And although we could detect a few higher objects, there were very few and far between. So actually the, the risk overall, whether you talk about air or surface or CPAP or not CPAP, was much lower than, than we first feared when the pandemic started. So this may be a difficult question to answer, but do you think there is enough evidence from your study to suggest or recommend levels of PPE that should be used for healthcare workers caring for patients on CPLAP or high floor nasal oxygen therapy, or is more research needed? Yeah, so that's a very difficult question to be sort of categorical about. I mean, our research is um, very real world, so I can't tell you if samples were in the environment were by aerosols or by droplets, and that's a huge area of scientific inquiry. And it was only 30 people, 30 NHS patients. So I think our study entirely by itself is not really big enough or sufficient enough to really answer this question uh, to everybody's sort of level of satisfaction or confidence that they might want to change policy on. But it is a major step forward in understanding the use of these devices in the context of this infectious disease. And I think that to answer your question fully, we would have to look at the work done by others who have looked at how aerosols are generated with, with these machines in healthy volunteers. We can look at other articles that show that sort of host nosocomial transmission, so between staff and patients and patients and other patients, you know, is really driven by other factors, you know, so 
Critically, it looks more the case that people in earlier stage infection, so not the people necessarily needing CPAP and in ITU, but people just needing oxygen and who are coughing might actually present a bigger risk than we first appreciated and, and, and bigger than, than when they're so ill that they need CPAP. And so the, the question about PPE around CPAP is difficult because we would always want to protect our healthcare workers and they're very used to using PPE. But ironically, this work and the work of others suggests that we might be smarter by using more PPE uh, where we're looking after patients not on, um, on these devices, that maybe just on general medical wards, because that might be the best way of actually really protecting not just healthcare workers, but of course, other patients in the hospital who need to be there for other reasons. So ironically, although I would love to say that this is very reassuring and, and maybe we don't have to um, be so preoccupied about PPE in the context of CPAP, the unintended consequence of, of this and other people's work is that maybe we should be looking very carefully at how we use PPE in other contexts to really reduce the risk to ourselves and to other patients. Well, thank you so much for that really detailed response. And on behalf of all of the clinical workforce, just want to thank you for your work in this field. It, it means a lot to us. It means a lot to us too. It was, a, it was a pleasure to do some research that was really focused around healthcare workers. Well, thank you so much. Now, if you would like to read this article in full, please keep, click on the hyperlink at the bottom of this podcast. And please do leave us any feedback on here or on our social media at ThoraxBMG. Thank you very much. Thank you.